The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. What up? Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Y'all aren't football fans? I mean, I see like a million jerseys out here. You just don't sound like football. If you don't know, you're, if, if the pastor is on the stage and like encourage you to cheer for football, it's, it's okay. It's so we'll try it one more time. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. Wings marinating right about now. Frosty 24 case of root beer chilling in the fridge. You see that? You see how I did that there? A pork shoulder swimming in barbecue sauce in the slow cooker. Hey, turn that thing all the way off or just unplug it after this is us. Okay, we don't want it to be this is us too. Man, but that's what the Super Bowl is all about, right? Food, fun, family, friends. It's, all, it's always been all about love. Not this year. No, no, this year it is all about hate. Hate for the pates. It's a shame, bro. Like, when did, when did becoming the winning team become a crime? Like, we didn't do this to Jordan and the Bulls back then. I, I saw a meme this week that was the map of the United States, and it said, you know, color-coded green fans, eagles, and red fans, patriots in the entire United States covered in green. It'd be a little bit of red up here in New England. It's a shame, man. Super Bowl's not even about love anymore, bro. And you know what? Fun fact, did you know that the day after the Super Bowl is the highest day of, of, of cell phone repairs? <laughs> so in other words, what I'm telling you is if you lose your cool during the game and your cell phone is the only ninja star you can find, aim for the couch cushions. Unless, of course, you got company sitting there who just so happens to be wearing a Brady jersey. Get your phone repaired. Listen, may the best team win. Um, just make sure that you watch the game with someone. We are a community church. We believe that life, I'm going to give a shout out to life groups right now. We believe that life is better in circles and not in the rows that you are sitting in. So do not watch the game alone. Just have a good time. Listen, many of us couple weeks ago saw Nick Foles. I'm going to talk a little about the Eagles. As I'm, again, I'm, I'm a 49ers fan, okay? So I'm not being biased. Okay, is there another one out here? West Coast. I ain't from the West Coast. I'm from here. I don't, anyway. All right. But anyway, we, a couple weeks ago, we saw Nick Foles destroy Minnesota in the NFC Championship. But in this community, no matter which team you cheer for, we probably all saw one thing. His after-game interview, right? Because what did he say first? All glory to God. Come on, now you see that. It doesn't matter. You drop your team, and all of a sudden it's Team Jesus, and you're in the living room like. <laughs> like we all support that, right? And it's cool because weeks ahead of that, and in that game, he was not favored to win. I mean, he's a second-string quarterback. We know some of his story. Once goes down, and now he's in. He wasn't favored to win his championship, but standing there now, an NFC champion. Well, now he's feeling favored. And he's feeling favored by God, which is why he wants to give God his props. Listen, today we come to the end of our series, Overflow. 
But really, it's just the beginning because overflow was the theme and the vision for our year. And what is overflow? Overflow is just that. Overflow is that. It's favor. It's the favor of God poured into your life so much that it overflows into the people around you and the world, and literally even the world, just like we saw about the story of Puerto Rico, and the world around you. That's from our giving. That's what overflow is. So what is favor? Now, in case you haven't been here for this series, or you've been here and you haven't been paying attention until, of course, last week, Pastor Patrick said a word that begins with B and rhymes with duty, and then you were paying attention, all right? But let me just remind you of what favor is. Favor is the power, the provision, and the protection and the predestination of God in your life. That's a bowl of pea soup right there. Power, think about each of these. Provision, protection, and predestination for your life. The favor of God is, it's like having the Incredible Hawk as your anti-bully strategy. It doesn't mean that you don't have bullies. It just means you have somebody bigger that they don't want to mess with. The favor of God is the opposite of that little rain cloud following you around. No, it's you literally making it rain blessings in people's life. The favor of God doesn't necessarily mean that you'll have a yacht on the water. It just means that you might walk on water. And we've been taking a look in the book of Genesis. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And we've been learning about a man named Phil Collins. Just seeing if you're awake. All these students are like, what is he talking about? <laughs> we've been learning about a man named Abram. And Abram was apart from God. He didn't know God. God chose him, finds him, singles him out. And says, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless everybody who blesses you, curse those who curse you. He gets his back 100%. Abram believes that, receives that. God changes his name from Abram to Abraham. He gives him victory in battle, gives him wealth and wisdom, gives him the favor of God, the power, protection, provision, predestination for his life. And today what we're going to look at it's in Genesis. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 18. If you have your Bible, and I know if you come to Lifehouse, you don't have your Bible because we spoil you and put it up on the screen anyway, but that's okay. We're going to go to Genesis. And let me, let me preface this. We're going to be Genesis chapter 18. Let me give a little bit of backstory here. This is a time when, Abram, when God shows up to Abraham, and he's going to confirm for him the promise he's been waiting for, the promise of the Son. He has no kids, he and his wife are old, and he promises him a son, and this is the time when he's going to confirm the delivery date. There's just one problem. So Abraham's chilling in his tent. This is the backstory a little bit. He's hanging out in his tent, and Pastor Jay, I'm going to give a big shout out to Pastor Jay. He preached last night, and he talked about this. He gave a great point, so you can start taking notes right now, because this is a good point. Abraham's chilling in his tent, kind of like having one of those stare out the window days, like where is my life going kind of moments, kind of sitting there. And he sees three men appear not too far away. This was a representation of God showing up. And this is what Pastor Jay said. It's awesome. Because when Abraham sees them, he runs out to meet them, to serve them. And what Pastor Jay said last night, this is awesome. Take this down. He said, listen, you go from sitting to significance when God shows up. That's great. Where's he at? Is he in? He's not even in here. Shout out to Pastor Jay. He's, well, you, you go from sitting to significance when God shows up. So Abraham runs out and he meets these guys. He says, hey, if you're going to be here, let me, let me serve you. Let me make you a meal. Let me bring you some water to wash your feet. Like a woman's favorite day is like manis and petties. So a guy's must be like munchies and petties. So he goes and he brings, he makes some food. He brings them a basin to wash their feet. He serves them. They say, thank you. He says, my pleasure. 
right? Okay, we know, we know he, okay. He says, my pleasure. All right, and then they, they start to talk to him. And now they're going to reveal the details. This is where the interaction happens. We're in verse 9, okay? Genesis chapter 18, verse 9. They say, where is your wife, Sarah? The visitors ask. Oh, she's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening in on this conversation. She's spying on Facebook, checking out what they're saying. Abraham and Sarah... Watch this. Abraham and Sarah were both very old at this time. And Sarah was long past the age of having children. They were in their 90s. They're getting up there, all right? Long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself. She's astonished by this idea. How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Especially, she just pulls Abraham under the bus. Especially when my master, my husband, is also old. Like, she's having trouble even envisioning having a kid. And aside from that, she can't even picture them being romantic anymore. Abraham's like, girl, you are still a sight for sore eyes. At least I think so. Let me find my glasses. I can't, I can't see a dog. Like she can't even picture they're, they're past that age. All right, so how are we even going to have a kid if we ain't even teenagers in the building? All right. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why does she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Watch this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't laugh. I, I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. Sarah would have a son a year later. As the story goes on, we're not going to get there today, but she does have a son, and she names him, ironically, she names him Isaac, which means laughter. See, in a year's time, Sarah would get familiar with favor. Before we go anywhere with this message today, I wanna, I'm going to start right there. Because if you think that you're, you're not being spoken to today because some of these things like favor, like this life of Abraham doesn't apply to you, we're going we're gonna to check our favor right now. We're going to get familiar with favor. The same way that, that, that God had to reveal it to Sarah because she wasn't convinced. My prayer today is that God convinces you and shows you that you are favored. No matter who you are, where you come from, or where you're at in life right now, you are favored. See, everything in Abraham and Sarah's life said that they were not supposed to be parents. She couldn't grasp a hold of this idea because she's not supposed to be able to have a baby. Let me ask you today, if this will help you find and get familiar with your favor, where are you today that you're not supposed to be? What do you have that maybe culture, society, or even science says that you shouldn't have? Maybe your demographic tells you that you're not even supposed to graduate. But your life today would say, I see your diploma and I'll raise you a degree. Maybe you know what it's like to have every resume in the stack tell you that you're not supposed to be qualified, but you have the job. That's the favor of the Lord on your life. Maybe you know that you and your teenage daughter are supposed to be at each other's throats, but you know what she tells everybody? That her mom, even though you're still her mom, is her best friend. Trust me, the favor of the Lord is on your household. And bruh, when she forgave you and took you back when she shouldn't, and now you don't know where your life will be without her, you have the favor of the Lord on you. And listen, you know what? I think around this time of year, I can probably sum up the favor of the Lord for all of us in two little characters, W2. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, so maybe that doesn't apply to you. 
Maybe even right there, you're like, oh, please, I owe every year. I ain't favored. I'm doing them a favor. All right, fine. Fine, let's just go back to the basics then. Let's go back to the basics. Take a deep breath. If you're here and you're breathing, you're alive. And maybe you know that you're not even supposed to be alive. Listen, when I was a kid, I was playing with some friends in a yard, in their yard, right? And at the end of the yard, there was this, this little drop-off into an alley. We were playing like guns, you know, a plastic machine gun. So I was running from an ambush, right? And trying to, trying to get out with my life. And I run and I jump out into the alley. And in my imagination, of course, there's this glorious explosion behind me. But in reality, what I was flying into was an 80-something orange Trans Am coming up over the hill. And we met. And I must have blacked out for a minute because the next thing I remember, I was under the car and I saw the car door come open. He pulls me out. And the only thing I suffered that day was a broken leg, but my family could have suffered more. I remember being in the hospital, my mother taking my hand saying, Spencer, that car ran over your leg. It could have ran over your body. I was a little kid. She said, God, God was with you. God protected you. He wants you to still be alive. Listen, you know what car accident you walked away from that all the laws of physics say that you shouldn't have. You know what happened during your last deployment. You know what sickness or disease you've been healed from. And listen, this is a tough one, so I'm going to tread gently. But you know, thank God abortion is declining but especially if you were born in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, that was when abortion was peaking and it was claiming lives in the millions each year. As especially you young, young people, listen, who knows? Only God knows what stirred in the hearts and fears and ideas of our parents. I'm not saying that it happened. I'm just saying this. The fact that abortion is even an option is an attempt on everybody's life before you're born. And if you're here today and abortion came looking for you, it met God and he said, not this one. I have a plan for this one. If you're here today and you're breathing, you better get familiar with your favor. You are lucky to even be alive. You are favored to be alive. So turn to somebody and say, get familiar. I don't believe you. Say it again. Get familiar. Get familiar with your favor. You're favored by God. God has a two-fold agenda when he comes to visit Abraham this time. One is blessing and the other is business. The blessing to tell him about his son and then he's going to get down to business. But before he gets down to business... He shows us something very important about himself. I want you to see this interaction. In verse 17, God says, should I hide my plans from Abraham? See, these guys are there, and two of them start to go off, and one remains, and it's God's presence. And he's talking to Abraham. He says, should I hide my plan from Abraham, the Lord asks. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham what I promised. God's sitting in this executive meeting, and he calls to Abraham's cubicle and brings him in and asks him, what, what do you think about this? 
You know, you know the parent card that you had that you played that you said you never would that your parents did to you when you would ask them for something or ask them why and they would say, because I said so. They can't argue with it. Kids know they got to storm off to the room and pout because you pull that card, it's your authority. God, God is able to do that with us. He doesn't have to answer anything to us. He ain't got to show us nothing. But let me say, in Jeremiah 20, 29, 13, it says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. God wants us to know who he is. He wants us to know about him. That's part of the favor that we have is we get the inside scoop. He wants to escort us right past the line, past the bouncers, and take us straight to VIP lounge with him. He wants us on the inside. He's not trying to hide anything from us, none of his plans. And when we search for him, and when we live in the favor that he has for us, it's almost like we stand out. It's like you've been singled out, and you have. You have been singled out. In verse 19, he says, I've singled him out. I've singled out Abraham so that, watch why, so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. You have, you are favored. You have been singled out too signal out. You've been singled out to signal out. Are you the person that all of your friends come to with their problems? It's a gift and a curse. It's a 3 a.m. text message, but it's also a tear-felt prayer moment. Are, are you the person that people ask for to pray for them? Are you the student that for some reason seems to have the wisdom of an adult? Are you the employee that your boss will trust to get things done and they trust your opinion. That's, that's what God does when he pours into your life. He makes you stand out so that you can stand up. He signals, he singles you out so that you can signal out. It's like this. You remember the first time you saw or got a king-size candy bar? As a child, that's the holy grail of childhood. This, this, this chocolate that's the size of your head. Like, I remember, and if you don't remember, I'll, I'll help you go back because I saw this in my, my son, my youngest son, when he was about five. Took him to the store. We got, I got him, it's just me and him. Got him a king-size candy bar. We were coming back to the house. He can, he's looking into it. He's building a relationship with it. You melt my heart. I hope I don't melt you. You know what I mean? Like, we, we pull up and like my family sitting outside in the carport hanging out, his brothers, sisters, his mom. He all but flips out of the moving car, sticks the landing. He picks this thing up over his head like a championship belt. And somewhere from inside his tiny little frame, he bellows this epic king size for me. Like, like bellowing it, like the, the ground shook, the, the, the little Jurassic Park cup on the dash shook like it was, I'm like, bruh. He couldn't wait to smear it in the faces of his brother and sister. You see what I got? See, that's, that's what happens sometimes when we recognize, when we get familiar with our favor, we see the favor and not who it comes from. And I don't know if you've noticed or not. If you, next time you go to the grocery store, check this out. This is the reason. We, we have favor from the king. We have king-sized favor over our life. But look in the store, in the candy bar section, next time you're there, there's, there's probably others, but there's one candy I came across that's got it right. All the other candy bars will probably say king size. All for you. You're favored, so it's about you. I'm, sing I'm singling you out just for you. You're king sized. God has king sized you. But M&M's, M&M's, they got it right. You know what it says on a king-size M&M's bag? 
share size. You've not been king-sized for yourself. You've been king-sized to be share-sized. In other words, your talent is not for your trophy case. It's for God's triumph. Your fortune is not for your fame. It's for God's faithfulness. And your power is not for your platform of yours. It's a platform where you point people to God. His favor is on your life for you to be share-sized. So what was God's plan? He lets Abraham in on the inside circle about what his plan is. What, what was the plan? God, God comes down, hangs out with Abraham, tell him the good news about his son, but then he tells him he's got some business. They're both kind of sitting there. It's almost like that moment Mufasa and Simba are sitting on Pride Rock and they're looking out and Simba's like, what's that shadowy place? And Except this time God tells Abraham what that shadowy place is. He says, you see that city down there? And Abraham says, yeah, that's, that's Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, they be turning up down there. And God says, I know. I'm about to turn up too. I'm about to turn up to heat. And Abraham's like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. I, I, got, I got family down there. Wait, wait, wait. There's, there's, there's people. There's people down there. Listen, listen to Abraham's response. He's talking to God now. God. Almighty, I do what I want. I've made everything. I, can, I call the shots. He's talking to God. Look at his response and look at God's response. Verse 23, Abraham approaches him and says, will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 righteous people in the city. 50 righteous people in the city. Will you sweep it away then and, and not spare it for their sakes? Listen here. Listen to this next part. Because and the way Abraham's approaching him, it's right. But there's, there's an attitude in here that humanity has taken towards God. Watch this. He says, surely you won't do such a thing. Destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why would you be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same? Surely you wouldn't do that. Surely, they're not, surely not the judge of all the earth do what is right. See, the argument that happens here among some people is, why would I want to believe in a God who destroys you want me to worship a God that sends people to hell? Yeah, that word, it's difficult. We don't even say that in church anymore, do we? Why is this part in the Bible? What happens here in this moment is he asks God to spare these people. And God says, this is what God says. He says, okay, you find 50 righteous people, I'll spare the city. Well, right away, Abraham, after he says that, you ever say something and then you thought about what you said? <laughs> Abraham says that. And then he starts to remember all the YouTube videos and headlines he's seen come out of Sodom and Gomorrah. He's like, how about 45? <laughs> we found 45 people. We, we spared the city. And then he goes on this reverse auction backwards, like 40, 45, 30, 30, 30, 35, all, all the way down, thinking about how awful, knowing he knows how bad Sodom and Gomorrah is. And finally, he gets to the point where he says, we find 10 people, you find 10 people, we spare the city. And each time God said, yeah, you find 10 righteous people, I'll, I'll, I'll spare that city. Why? God knew what he was coming to do. Why is this in there? Two things. On Abraham's perspective, Abraham, with his favor, took on the heart of his Savior. You need to know that with your favor, you're favored to have the heart of your Savior. When, 
when Abraham saw that this city was in danger, his heart broke. He cared. He didn't, he didn't shout, King size. I'm good. I'm going to eat my king size candy bar and watch the fireworks. Hey, I'll chuck the first grenade. I'm like, That's not, that was not his heart. One, his family was there, and it went beyond that. He cared about the people themselves. And here's the other thing. The whole reason that God even entertains this little dialogue, knowing that he knew what his plan is, that God's going to do what he needs to do anyway, the whole reason that he even entertains this interaction is to show us that at Sodom and Gomorrah and now, God is not looking for a reason to destroy anyone. He was looking for every reason not to. And he couldn't find it. And that's what the Bible says, that there ain't nobody righteous, not one of us. The Bible says that we've all sinned, we all have sinned, and, and that was, that's what makes us come short of the glory of God. That's what makes us not be righteous. That's why when he looks down at Sodom and Gomorrah and in Hagerstown and everywhere else, he can't find anybody righteous. And in the same way that that bothered Abraham to the point where he decided to step in and try to do something about it on the people's behalf, generations later, and through Abraham, just like God had promised, came Jesus. And Jesus, I don't mean to speed up the calendar, but in Easter, this is what we're in a month, we're going to talk about Easter. And in the same way that Abraham said, please, let me find a reason to spare them. Jesus didn't come looking for any righteousness because he knew he wouldn't find it. He came coming to give his own to us. And on Easter, what we celebrate is that on that Friday before he was willing to be nailed and beaten to the point where he physically died on the cross, physically went into a grave, spiritually went to hell on our behalf until on Easter Sunday morning, God pulls him out, raises him to life so that anybody in this auditorium today who's favored by God and you are or watching online could put your faith in Jesus today and know that you have the greatest favor of all, a relationship with God for all of eternity. That is the greatest favor of God. And that's why this is in there, because this is God's heart. He's not looking for a reason to destroy us. He's looking for every reason not to, but we can't do it on our own. Unless we take the righteousness of Jesus and his favor on us. Do you know why? Do you know why Nick Foles would say glory to God in his, in his little interview? It's more than because he's feeling favored to be some NFC champion or, an, or a Super Bowl quarterback. But I'll let you see for your own. Let's, let's listen to his testimony. I grew up in a Christian household. My mom um, is a really strong believer. Um, so I, I knew Bible verses growing up. I went to church, but I knew who Jesus was. But I hadn't given my life to him. I sort of lived my faith through my mother's faith, but I didn't realize that till later. My senior year of high school, let's go back to that, I tore my, my throwing shoulder three-fourths of the way around labrum tear. Couldn't play my senior year of basketball. That was one of my favorite sports, and I was excited for my senior year. Had to sit out and recover from shoulder surgery. I was in summer training, summer workouts, and my arm was about 40%. And you report to a college football team that's a good football team, and you're, you're throwing shoulders 40%, and you're trying to throw, and it's not fun. Well, the first month of school, both my grandmothers passed away. Um, a lot of different things were going on. And I remember I was sitting in my, my truck and I just started crying. And I just started praying. And I was like, God, I, I don't have any strength. I don't have any confidence. I have no guidance. I really am going to, I trust you. I trust you with all my heart. I, I'm giving you everything I have. I believe in your son. I believe in Jesus Christ. And I pray that you do your will with me. 
Um, and really at that moment, I look at that moment in my life and that's when I gave my life to Christ. And that's when, you know, everyone thinks like you become a Christian, everything's good. Hey, there was a ton of struggles from then on out, but I always had Christ. I always had the gospel. I always had my brothers and sisters in Christ to lean on and teach me. And wherever I went, God had, God always placed someone there for me to help me grow and I look back and I'm so grateful for that because now I'm 28 years old and I get to be that person for someone to be for a rookie coming into the locker room uh, for my wife I'm married and I, I'm leading my household and my wife is also a believer we just had our first child a daughter um, Lily five weeks ago and um, I get to lead her and she gets to make that decision someday and I just look back to that moment I gave my life to Christ and everything changed for me We can, we can applaud that. No matter which team you're cheering for, we can applaud that. You know, what's funny is that if he wasn't playing in the Super Bowl, we wouldn't know who, some of y'all didn't know till this morning who Nick Foles was. If he wasn't playing in the Super Bowl, we wouldn't even know who he is. But because he is, we know who he is, and more importantly, we know whose he is. See, he's, he's realized that the favor he has to be where he's at is not about him. Let's, let's be real. He might not get a Lombardi trophy. He is playing the comeback king. Let's just keep it 100. He might not win today. But even if he did, he knows that that glory and celebration all will one day just fade away. So he's chosen to use where he has as a way to communicate the greatest favor that he has. So that even when his career and his life is gone, his testimony will carry on into somebody's life. It will outlive him, and not only that, it'll meet him in eternity. See, living favor is lasting favor. When you live in your favor, it outlasts you. And not only that, the seeds that you plant with the favor that you have will meet you in heaven one day. Listen, if, if you need to put this urgency in perspective, think about it this way. Today's the day, February 4th, today's the day that I celebrate birth. But in three days, remember that it's been a year exactly that my dad died. Three days difference between celebrating birth and remembering the pain of death. Why am I telling you that? Because that's us. We got three days. We got three days. We got three days. We got a, our life has a beginning day, a middle day, and an ending day. And in that quick, it's gone. What are you doing right now? What are you doing with the favor that you have? What are you sitting on that you should be handing over? What is that important that you would keep it to yourself and not give it back to God? Because the clock is ticking. Today, when we sing in just a moment, and we close out this series, Will you make a move? 
Will you make a move like from sitting to significance when God shows up with the favor that he's given you? And in just a moment, the first important question I want to ask is, do you have the favor of life in Jesus? And I'm going to give you a moment to answer that. But think about that right now, even online. If you're with us online, please respond in this moment if you know God's talking to you. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for favoring us, for singling us out to signal out. But God, right now in this moment, before we even go any further, I want to ask anyone in this room or watching online, is today the day that you need to say yes to the favor of God for life eternal in Jesus? It's the day the day you're ready to say, Jesus, I believe in you. I know what you did for me. I know the favor you have for me, and I want, and I want to say yes. And if you want that, listen, I'm going to give you two little steps. The first one is just right now, say yes. Wherever you are, you can whisper it. I don't care if you shout it. Say yes if you want that. And listen, if you're saying yes right now, if you said it, if you're online and you said it, type that into the comments section. We have online campus pastors. They will respond to you. Listen, if you're here on this campus right now and you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time, will you please let us know? We just want to put something in your hand. Will you put your hand up just, just for a moment, just high enough so we can see it. I know you're scared and you want to put it right beside you, but please just lift it up high enough so we can see it, so we can put something into your hand. God, today we celebrate who you are and that you will be a God that favors us. God, we thank you for favoring us enough to give us your own righteousness at your expense. God, would you move hearts in a generation in this room of people who would say yes to God and no to themselves, of people who would live a share-sized life with what you've given them in their homes first and then their communities and wherever you would take them around the world, would you send them for your purposes, God? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.